Are you open to talk about your marriage? I'm sure we can do that. Absolutely. You were obviously happy somewhere in your relationship with him, right? What do you think changed? Or did the change happen before the marriage? Or was it too late to get out of the marriage? Or did it happen when you were married? You know, I I absolutely did, you know, get married for love. But here's, here's what I'm going to say. And I say this to a lot of my friends. Episode 63, another real conversation, this time with a family and marriage therapist, Edith Alaverdian. She's gone through a divorce. I was a little bit hesitant to bring it up, to be honest, but this is why I do this podcast, so we can all learn from others and their experiences, and so did she. She was vulnerable. Uh, she was awesome. And we talked about COVID. We talked about masks on kids and the effects it's going to have for children later in their lives. Of course, marriage, divorce, dating. It was an awesome, awesome episode. So let's get to it. Episode 63 with Edith Alaverdian. Here we go. Hello, how are you? Hi, Mike. I'm very well. How about yourself? Good. Thank you. Good to connect. I know. It's about time. <laughs> all, yes, definitely. All my fault. <laughs> it's okay. It's a beautiful day, and I appreciate you coming on. I really do. Um, of course. Yeah. So thank you for this. Of course. Absolutely. It's my honor. I love podcasts. I love people who put their time and effort into them. It's really, you know, wonderful information that you're putting out there for your viewers. So it's Very my pleasure. Cool. Thank you so much. That means a lot. Uh, I feel like people are on edge these days. Do you feel the same way? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And how much of this is uh, a COVID being the root cause? I, I don't think COVID is the root cause. I think it's uh, there's things below surface. You know, it's just COVID is very surface level. It's like what you see. Uh, but beneath that, there's just things that have been piling up for humans. And COVID is just a reason for them to be like very transparent. So it's kind of like, you know, your cup is full and it's pouring, but COVID's not the reason. There's other reasons. Yeah, I think people are just divided, right? They're just divided. And and I feel like people are just like waiting for the next thing to happen. Definitely. Yeah, there's division amongst people, which is sad um, because people are reporting loneliness because of it. But yeah, they don't want to fight that division, you know, but there definitely is. Yes. Absolutely. Is that what you you're seeing more and more these days? Yeah, absolutely. There's there's definitely isolation, but I think it's just subconsciously done. I don't think people want that to happen. It's just there's a lot of fear at play. Again, that's very surface level. Um, you know, we're we're not looking at people as people anymore. Um, we're looking people as objects, and that's where that division is coming from. That we don't have we don't have that closeness. We don't look at each other as humans anymore. But how do you ever get back to that? Well, we have to find the respect within people. We have to respect each other first. Um, we have to fall in love with humanity again, because uh, it wasn't always like this. And just look at the bigger picture that, you know, there's a lot of difficulties right now in the world. But what is the, what is the true meaning of life? And that's, that's humanity is living for each other, that interdependence that uh, we were blessed with to, to lean on each other. So we all have struggles. We're all going through a lot. 
uh, personal lives or work, but is that really, or is COVID a reason to hate <laughs> and to isolate? Yeah, you know, I think the separation and you talk about humanity, I think that comes in life way late, like when you're on your deathbed and then you think about yes. all of that stuff. And, you know, yeah, we take absolutely. so much for granted right now today. And mm-hmm. yeah, it's, it's going to be that day when you're going to go back and say, man, why did I hate that guy? He wasn't so bad. You know, yeah, absolutely. It's just, honestly, it's about understanding that guy. You know, um, if a guy is saying something awful, you have to look beyond that. It's not because he's awful. Maybe things that have happened to him have led him to that awful comment. And actually a pretty good point you brought up because... I don't know how much you're familiar with like Armenian singers, but Aiko, he's a very, very famous composer, just passed away a few few days ago from complications. And I was actually observing his Instagram. I've been following him for for years and years, but he had uh, Mike, he had fifty fifty point nine thousand followers. Okay. And uh, YouTube, uh, you know, s- subscriptions and like his views, not a lot, honestly, not a lot. But he passed away a couple of days ago, and I looked in his account, and he had over 74,000 followers now. Hmm. And so, hmm. do you understand what my point is? It's, like, I wh- say, wh- why? I say why? this all the time. We talk so good about people at their funeral. Everything mm-hmm. usually comes up so bright and beautiful about a person when they're dead. You know, and, mm-hmm. and it's like, yeah. why aren't we cherishing people when they're alive? I And, you know, the other part of this is, You see people who are angry, they're upset, they don't like, you know, interaction, they don't want to talk to you, but you see that, just a stranger, let's let's just talk about a stranger, and you're in the car wash, and you see the stranger, and I guarantee you, that stranger that you're looking at right now, who is angry, you know, down, depressed, whatever, looks bad, looks, looks upset, I guarantee you there was one time, at least one time in his life, where he was happy, where he was laughing, where he felt good about himself, so... How about try to get that out of that person and try to maybe make his day, right? And maybe change things around for them. Because what I'm trying to say is there's always good in people. It's a matter of how to get it out of people. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that people receive more flowers than the people that are alive. It's that saying. So, you know, again, this goes back to like falling in love with humanity. I think we're very invested in I I, I, me, me, what about me, what about me, understand me, feed me, love me, uh, hear me. That's what the world's about nowadays. And we're, you know, how are we supposed to be connected? How are we supposed to be being this joyful circle with each other if we're constantly seeking uh, for someone to hear us, yet we don't hear? We're always, you know, we as humans always have this need to be heard, to be acknowledged. But are we precipitating that same need back for others? Because that's, you know, it's duality. That's how the work we work. The world works on duality, right? Like you pay me to sit there and listen to you and make you feel comfortable in a safe space that, you know, it's duality. I pay the grocery store to feed me for food. So that's how the world works. But if, if we're looking at each other as I, 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 the duality is not going to be in place. It's not going to work. And so it's going to put everyone in isolation. And what comes from that is loneliness and depression and the, you know, the hate. So there's everything is aligned. We just got to be present and mindful of that. 
Yeah, and we tend to want things we can't have, you know, hence all the flowers when you're dead. Yes, right? <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> it's, it's a very unfortunate thing, but absolutely. What made you want to become a therapist? Um, well, I, I love this question. So many things other than, you know, the personal experience of growing up in Armenia and seeing all the hardship. Um, but I just, you know, as, as a human being, even as a young kid, I was just so incredibly mindful. But I noticed like how my culture is just struggling. A lot of people suffering in silence, just a lot going on. So I, I honestly, I wanted to go against that because I truly believed in like how healing could being heard be, how healing could talking be. And um, I think that's what made me fall in love with, with psychology is, you know, it's not, people think it's, it's the diagnosing part. Oh, when you go, they have to diagnose you in certain cases. Yes. But it's really about, you know, having a place to be heard and, and all the, the, you know, people who are into like spirituality, the Buddhists, um, Hinduism itself, it's, it's all about talking and hearing to be acknowledged. It's about sitting in silence with someone and feeling that energy. So I think just, you know, seeing people suffer in silence was what really drove me to, to learning about humans and, and stigma. And so that's, you know, that's why I do what I do today is it's fighting that stigma, constantly posting about it and um, inviting people to learn about the human psyche and not being afraid of it. Is that something you struggled with yourself? Um, I mean, I struggled with some anxiety growing up. Absolutely. Um, I grew up in a time where I learned the alphabet underneath candlelight. So um, we didn't have light. We didn't have water. I, you know, severe poverty in my country during the, the Soviet years. So I, you know, I saw my parents struggling and yeah, I had a lot of fears and it was not very pleasant. So absolutely. I've, I've, I experienced a lot in my lifetime. There's my philosophy is a good therapist is not one that, you know, has five different diplomas from different schools, but one who has personal experience because that, that wisdom that you can heal and you can help people comes from your own personal wisdom, right? Your personal experience in life. That's how you understand people. That's how you gain that sympathy and empathy. Yep. hundred percent. I want to talk about this new generation that's coming up. I'm worried for them, not only because what's happening in our country and in the world, but as, as simple as uh, kids running around at school with masks on. And I say that because I feel like the generation coming, and even our generation, we, we have a hard time holding a conversation because all we're doing is text messaging. Nobody picks up the phone and has a phone right. conversation anymore. And these kids going to school with masks on, I feel like they're going to be real insecure or, or real awkward when the masks come off. And what about the new kids going to new schools, trying to meet new friends? Good luck to them trying to hold a conversation with a mask on. I mean, yes. I think body language is the best language. And when you have a mask on and you can't show feelings or expressions, how are, how are you supposed to meet somebody? How are you supposed to put a conversation right. together? What do you think about all that? That's a tough one. I'm, I mean, I'm all about safety. Safety is very important for me, but there's a certain extent. If you are going to a restaurant and you're sitting literally <laughs> millimeters away from someone who's eating and has no mask, but yet you have to put your mask on and order food, or you, you don't have to wear masks at a restaurant, but children at school 
when you're sitting in class have to, those things are red flags for me as I'm not talking to you as a therapist. I'm talking to you as like a human being. So yeah, I mean, our, us humans, we look at expression because the way our burn, uh, our brain works and the way we connect and, and that you, that human connection is through expression uh, because we see expression first. So our brain recognizes expression first. So that eye contact, why do we say you have about five seconds to interact with someone and have a positive interaction and it's through eye contact. So you have about five to 10 seconds gaining attention and it's through expression. So yeah, absolutely. Expression is incredibly important and it is it is interfering with today's connections. Again, there, there's got to be some boundaries. There's got to be some limits because, yes, absolutely, children more and more are forgetting that interaction and how to connect. So um, a lot of play here. Are you worried about the new generation? I am. I am. But what I'm mostly concerned about is parents and parenting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't be worried about the generation, uh, the new generation, if our generation understood right parenting because the new generation, I mean, they're everything is taught. It is our duty, our responsibility, our responsibility to teach them, guide them. I'm not, you know, I don't know. I just, I think parenting is pretty vital right now. Um, There's a lot going on in the world. There's a lot going on at schools and lots of bullying. And so if you're not teaching the child morals and values and the love for humanity, you know, where are we going to go? You know, forget the tech stuff, right? Forget the iPhones. We, that, that's, that's controllable. We can, we can do all of that great stuff. But the love, the love for humans is, is, it's different. You know, we teach them all these great skills, right? How to write checks, how to fight against bullying and, you know, how to do math. But what about how to love, how to love humans? Yeah. What about that? There is such a lack of love. You're so right. There is such a lack of love. Well, yeah. Everything everything has an answer, and love is the answer to a lot of things, isn't it? Yeah. PTSD, I want to change uh, the topic to PTSD. I'm sure you've worked with many clients who struggle with it. What, what do you think your best advice you've given to those who struggle with PTSD? Well, uh, the, the ones who are struggling or the family members who experience? Uh, I'd say the ones who are currently struggling with it. First, you got to recognize, you, you have to get to know your diagnosis, okay? So um, something really, really important, and, and I'm not a 100-year-old <laughs> clinician. You know, I'm relatively new um, to, the, to the clinical world. It's, it's been about five years. But I have learned one really important thing is one intervention that every clinician needs to do and has to learn to do is teaching psychoeducation about the diagnosis. So advice, if you're, if you're diagnosed with PTSD, there's a lot to learn about your PTSD. And so number one thing that's really helpful for people struggling with, you know, severe mental illnesses is learning about your mental illness, learning, educating yourself is incredibly helpful as it, you know, it puts the uncertainty at ease. It puts the I feel very indifferent at ease. So, you know, bring in statistics to it, right? Like so many people, like let's just say 1.2 U.S. Americans struggle with PTSD a year or are diagnosed with PTSD a year. And just so take it from there. But, but it's incredibly helpful 
when you educate your client or your patient about their diagnosis. So number one thing is talking about it and, you know, working on that diagnosis with them. Like, well, what do you feel? How do you see this? How do you feel about this? Right. Including them in their treatment, including them into, you know, guiding them until you to get to that process of okay, the actual diagnosis is this. So definitely learning. How about those who don't know what their diagnosis is and, and they've got hit with it when they were two years old and something happened to them and there's some sort of trauma that, that was hit, but they're struggling with it, but they don't know why they're struggling with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's actually very common. Um, I, you know, first of all, please stay away from Google, okay? There are people who resort to Google for everything. Like, oh, I have a headache. I have depression. I can't get out of bed. Google, Google, Google. Okay. You know, so don't diagnose yourself, right? If you're feeling a little icky, get professional help, right? Don't, don't assume it'll go away. Don't assume it's okay. Don't, you know, don't assume people are going to find out about it. You have rights. There's laws to protect your privacy. So if you guys are feeling like something is off and you're not feeling like yourself, Go to your doctor. That's it. It's simple. Because when you diagnose yourself, or even if you don't know and you don't diagnose yourself, but you know something's wrong and you're not taking action, action, it gets worse. It really does get worse. So that's that's my advice. You know, if you feel like you're off and something doesn't feel right, you have that right to ask for help. It is your human right. It is your birthright. And I think the older we get, the more we realize when we hold things in, it just makes things worse. Yes, it does. Absolutely. Suppression. Yeah, it's not healthy. It, it comes up either way and it's, it's going to hit you harder. So one thing I really would love to have people start getting used to is, you know, being very vulnerable and transparent with their feelings. I think people, you know, you got to fight that ego. You know, you really have to fight that ego. You got to talk, obviously, to safe people, not just to random people who are going to criticize you and hurt you. You always make sure you tell your story to people who deserve to hear your stories. But you want to, you, you have to find a place to tell. You have to find a place to talk. And I would love for, for humans to start becoming comfortable with vulnerability and transparency because you never know who your story is going to help. In that moment, maybe somebody's struggling too, and they can say, wow, I'm not the only one. This is great. Like, I, I felt like I was the only one, but I'm not the only one. So definitely learn to speak up. And, and the people that I love listening to the most are those who are vulnerable about, about themselves and their lives. Like, they're mm-hmm. wide open about things. And like you said, that is the way where they, they're experiencing something. They can help you the same way. If you're going through something, they're helping you with it. And you're like, oh, wait, I'm not the only person in the world going through this? <laughs> <Did you? laughs> yes. Yeah, I agree. Um, let's talk about marriage. I feel as though sure. our generation didn't necessarily want to get married, but I think COVID kind of changed the uh, barometer on yes. that a little bit, right? I feel that way. I, you yes, know, there, there was, yeah, I thought so. Because I feel like people, well, the, the country, was, the world was shut down, so you couldn't have events. So maybe it's everybody at one time getting married. But then I think this, I think something happened with everybody kind of staying home and being with their couple and saying, hey, marriage may not be that bad. Right. It's not. It's shifted perspective because we were home in isolation for so long. So we were like, hey, you know, 
I don't, I don't know. I don't want to go through this. I don't want to be alone. So is this what it's going to feel like? Well, you know, I don't want to feel like this forever. I want to have a partner. I want to have love. I want to settle down. So it definitely got a lot of people thinking and, and it got, you know who the interesting thing is it got the people thinking who were all about the single life. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's like, Hey, at one point in your life, you are going to be older and you can't be going out to those clubs and yep. <laughs> doing, I mean, you can, but you know what I mean. Yeah, so, you, you settle down really quick. COVID settled you yes. down really quick. Yeah. It does. And, you know, it's, it's sad because, you know, I feel like people are so afraid of getting married and it's, and I, and I, I was thinking about this the other day when I was like, when I was writing and it's about an association when you see other people in really bad marriages or when you see other people struggling or other people divorcing, you automatically associate. So you attach yourself to the, to their problems, but your life can be completely different. You don't know, you know, what happened. You don't know if they really know each other or not. You don't know what their circumstances are. So it is, it's really unfortunate. And half the people that have asked about these marriages are the ones that have seen breakups that have seen their friends or family members members go through divorce or are in awful marriages and it's automatically an association like kind of like overgeneralizing oh because it's happened to this person that it's going to happen to me but on the contrary it doesn't have to you you can you have a choice you can you can have a beautiful marriage it takes work it takes effort but just because someone's miserable doesn't mean you are going to be too Hey, you know what's consistent when I ask that question to those who are divorced? I asked them the question, mm-hmm. I says, would you get married again? And they said, 100% absolutely. Yes. You feel the same way? I do. Absolutely. Of course. I think marriage is, look, if you ask somebody who is just out of a divorce and hasn't found peace within, they're going to tell you absolutely no. I would never go through that again. It's a trap. But if you ask somebody who has found peace and who has forgiven and who has a different love for humans and sees humans not as an object, like a marriage object, but as humans, they will say yes. So absolutely, I'm one of those that will say yes. And love is beautiful. And that is why God has created people on this planet, whether you're religious or not. I mean, we have people on this planet and interdependence is beautiful. I depend on you. You depend on me. Big difference between independent and, you know, interdependent, something that people have to really understand. But marriage is wonderful. And to have a partner to grow old with and cherish with and, you know, so, yeah, absolutely. Are you open to talk about your marriage? I'm sure we can do that. Absolutely. You were obviously happy somewhere in your relationship with him, right? What do you think changed? Uh, or or did the change happen before the marriage? Or was it too late to get out of the marriage? Or did it happen when you were married? You know, I I absolutely did, you know, get married for love. But here's here's what I'm going to say. And I say this to a lot of my friends. People change. Okay. People change. We change. And if people change and it's not up to your standards, it doesn't mean that you're stuck with them forever. Okay? You have choices. We all have choices. And if the person in front of us is not exactly what we want and we're hurting, we don't have to be stuck with that person. We can choose to walk away and find inner peace in other ways. So you're not doomed just because you are married. 
you know, people change and we have a right to walk away when they do. And then I think that scares a lot of people too, because when you're in a marriage and the partner changes or you change and you want to get out, that's, that's the part of the failure of marriage. And that's what kind of freaks people out, right? Yes. So absolutely. And I'm glad you you talked about that because I want to, you know, definitely clarify something. So when I mean change, I don't mean by changing in a, in a way where it's healthy. Sometimes people change in a very unhealthy way, right? They start abusing each other. They start using drugs and they, they start treating children badly. Um, this goes for men and women, by the way, women are not saints. I think men are talked about a lot in terms of infidelity and all that stuff, but women also do those things. There's no difference. Humans, a human boy or a girl, man or a woman. Uh, but you know, if the, if the person is changing to the worse and you've tried everything to help that person, if you worked on your marriage and you tried, um, then you you have that right to make that choice and walk away. But if that person is, is changing to good and you're like, well, you know, it doesn't work. I mean, I'm not I'm not promoting divorce. I'm not promoting separation. I just I want to make that clear that if that person is hurting you, they've changed to the worst and it's really hurting you and your family, you definitely have that right to walk away. Getting divorced as an Armenian had to have been tough, right? We're, we're a prideful bunch. How did your family take it at the time? You know, I'm very blessed. I have to tell you, my family, uh, they're incredibly supportive. And so when I told them, look, these are, you know, I want to go to school. I want to get my education. I just don't think that I can be stagnant and at this place. Um, and these are my choices. They were incredibly supportive. You know, my father said, um, come stay here. And they welcomed me back with open arms, my son and I. You know, I stayed with them for like a good four years, went to school, got my master's and then, you know, pursued my doctorates. And it was just a very easy transition for me. But I was very blessed to have that. There are so many men and women who don't have that support and till today are stuck in these marriages that are just awful. And um, it's it is it's really unfortunate, but. You know, I, I was very blessed. I was very lucky to have that support. So they took it lightly. Did you feel like it was a failure at any time through the divorce for you? My ex-husband? Yeah. Um, you know, I'm going to be honest with you. The old me thought so many things. A failure, a loser, a bad person, you know, just out of anger and hurt. You think so many things about that person, about your partner of who you made children with. But now, like for the past, with the past like five years, I've been divorced for seven, but for the past like five and a half, close to six years, honestly, like I've learned to accept people for who they are, even though they make really bad decisions and they hurt others or hurt me, I accept them. And Honestly, Mike, I think that's what makes moving on easier. You know, there's so many clinicians out there that are promoting forgiveness. And I'm sure you've heard of them. This is how you forgive. Step one, da-da-da-da-da. Step two, da-da-da-da. And it's like they have like this step-by-step structure on how to forgive. But sometimes forgiveness is impossible, you know. You're at peace, which I am very happy that you were at peace. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You find peace by the acceptance of the person. Like this person 
is not bad because of their actions. They've done bad actions, but it's not because they're bad. They just don't know any better. And and when you find peace within yourself, that automatically, you just forgive automatically. Nice. To work on forgiveness, like how are women going to forgive all those men that have raped them? Or how are those men going to forgive all those women that have just beat them? Like it's just forgiveness is you know, it's about finding peace within. Once you find that peace and acceptance of that person, like even horrible murders, I'm going to say this, and this is not talked about a lot. You know, I've seen some really interesting cases where the, the mother of the victim goes and hugs the murderer of their child. Like, have you seen that? I think there was this one particular case, the daughter was brutally murdered. And in the courtroom, the mother goes and hugs the murderer. And everybody was just in such shock. Now, you might, you know, somebody with such anger and just, you know, they would think, oh my gosh, she's, she's crazy for that. How can she do that? But I understand this, her psychology. I understand that peace. When you find that peace, it's just so beautiful, you know? Um, that's you, pow- that's you, really powerful. That story is pretty powerful. Yes, and I, I'll send you the case. I don't know, but, but it was just, you know, her, her teenage daughter was brutally murdered and she just she go, literally goes and hugs the murderer and says, I forgive you. And I was just blown away by this woman's courage. So like forgiveness and, you know, that peace comes from working on yourself and, you know, that acceptance, like, look, this person was raised so brutally God knows what they did to this person. So who am I to sit here and judge their action? Like they've never received love. They don't understand love. They don't understand humanity connections. They don't have meaning. So what do you expect from someone like that? And if I'm using hurtful words, hurtful words, judgment, hate, how am I any different than that person? What makes me any different? What would be your best advice uh, for a newly wedded couple? Uh, oh my God. Uh, so many, but if I were to just pick one, it's, um, you know, don't, don't interrupt each other when talking, Hmm. (laughs) you know, don't interrupt each other when talking, just fully hear the, the person. And the second thing I would say is when a person, you know, when, when you newlywed couple, like a wife is expressing feelings, men usually think, Oh, it's nagging. Oh, she's nagging. You know, um, that's such a hurtful, hurtful word. So fully separate yourself from the problem when, when the couple or, you know, husband and wife, when you guys are sharing story or something that you didn't like within the relationship, they're not saying that you are a bad husband or you are a bad wife. You know, it's not an attack. And I think the defensiveness comes at place so much when couples are talking to each other. They're not saying that you're a bad wife or a husband. Just listen with an open heart. Listen and don't interrupt. <laughs> Would you have done anything different to, to save your marriage? Uh, anything different? I think I think I have tried. I tried so hard, but I tried what I did know then. If I were to do anything different now, would probably be a little bit more patient maybe, but yeah, I think, I think I did everything that I can. And that's a good point. That's something that I actually would love to address is if you are making that decision to leave, make sure you are set with that decision because 
if you walk away and then you regret it after, you're going to have to live with that regret. So make sure you try everything you possibly can to save your marriage, whether it's through therapy or coaching, you know, whatever, spirituality, religion, God. Um, and then you, you take that step. Was it harder for you to get out because you guys had a kid together? Actually, no, it, it really wasn't. It was, uh, it was easier. It was easier because, you know, I, I got out of it in a very calm way. I didn't hurt anyone. I was not one of those women that didn't want their, you know, ex to see the child. I was really, really educated. And I just, I, I was very up for co-parenting. And I understood the importance of a father in a child's life. So I was really nice about it. I wasn't very spiteful. And he wasn't either, luckily. So it was easier for us. You know what hurts me the most is those who've been married for 20, 30, 40 years and they decide to get up and wake up in the morning and say, I don't love you anymore. I'm out of here. You know, we've got three kids together. How do you, I mean. And leave the person in cold. That's it. Just like that. (laughs) Like, like without any warning, they don't know anything. They just wake up and they just, it's, it's, it's so, it's so, it hurts so much. It's so sad. So I asked you the question about, about the advice. What would you give on a newlywedded couple? What do you think you'd give on those who are 10, 20, 30 years into a marriage? You know, I think you owe it to your partner to be very transparent and um, you owe it to each other that, that's that respect. You know, again, you shouldn't look at it as, oh, that's my wife, but like human, right? You don't just walk out on a human. That's just the worst feeling in the world. Um, So I think a lot of couples who are thinking about divorce or, you know, what have you, it's owe it to yourself and your partner to speak in your I statements. Like, I think I've changed. I don't know what's going on, but this is the way I'm feeling. And, you know, I'm going through these transitions and just be very transparent, but to leave them like that. I have, I've actually worked with a few men that have experienced that. Um, And this was during my uh, residency program, my clinical program. So um, it's, it's a really awful feeling. And the person just immediately goes into depression immediately because it's, it's, it's a different, it's a different world. So you just, to never walk out on anyone even ghosting like what's this thing about people ghosting each other that is <laughs> awful it's so, it is it's so ugly it's it's so ugly and it's just so mean mike it's mean it's a mean thing to do but remember when i was telling you that people don't look at people anymore mm-hmm. people look at people as objects mm-hmm. like how do you do that mm-hmm. if you if you have this warm place for humanity how do you do that to a person whether the person's a bad person or whatever right you just i don't want to i don't want to go out i don't feel comfortable that's it you're talking about objects people think that you're just an object you're just a robot you take on clients all day long you, i don't think people realize what you have to take on do you seek therapy yourself i do yeah good <laughs> we are actually required to and not a lot of people know about this but um for a good what was it two years so we have something called practicum and that's like residency right you have to do 3000 hours you can either go in a hospital setting or you can do private practice. I chose a hospital setting because I wanted to get more experience. So, but either you do uh, practicum at private practice or not, you state requires you to have supervision and supervision, one hour supervision a week. So that's, that's basically your therapy. 
Okay. So the state requires that because the burnout is intense. So yes, if, if I don't get therapy at least once a month myself to vent about how I'm feeling, I will explode for sure. Yeah. I can't imagine. I mean, you coming home to your poor son sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, you saw All that client again, huh? You saw that client again, huh? that same guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you what know would, lucky yeah. for me, I, I have... It's so interesting. People, my people ask that question all the time. They're like, how do you do it? You listen and you sit down and listen to sad stories 40 hours a week. And I say to them, I just, I have learned about boundaries so well and not to attach myself to people's problems so well. That's how I'm able to help them better. Because if I lose myself within their within their pain, I can't help them. I become the pain. I become the problem. So I don't know. Sometimes I feel like I didn't choose this career. This career chose me. And that's why I'm able to do it with such passion and without having it interfere with my personal life. So all of the stories that you take every day, all those experiences, all the family drama, the marriages, all that bad stuff, sitting there right now today, you would still remarry if you found somebody. Oh, yeah. Nice. <laughs> Absolutely. Nice. You know what would be cool? What? Your own podcast. <laughs> right? Like even, you know, even having like some clients on who are up to being a guest on your show, obviously. Uh, talk about their experiences or even conversations that you've had in the chair uh, without mentioning any names. Like 10, 15, 20 minutes. It'd be so cool. Mike, people tell me that all the time. I just don't know how to start. I'll, I'll help you. <laughs> will you help yeah, me? I mean, I, I get asked that question all the time. Just at least 15 minutes of edit every Tuesday. That's or it. every Wednesday. I'm te- it's it. Exactly. Seriously, <laughs> you would know. kill it. You would kill it. You would kill you it. Really? You think so? I mean, yes. I know people would really like that. I'm just... Let me just say, I'm just so grateful, Mike. I wake up every day, thank God, every day. Like my followers, my viewers, people that like, you know, I run into like at grocery stores. Oh my God, you're at the I love your post. The other day I, I went to Tiffany's. You know where Tiffany's is? Which city? It's in Glendale. Okay. It's in Glendale and it's like this little sandwich house. Okay. It's like this tiny little place. Oh, I thought you were buying jewelry. On, on, huh? I thought you were buying jewelry. Tiffany's? So, oh, no, 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 Sandwich. <laughs> okay. No, I'm not, I'm not that fancy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> oh, yeah, I was just dropping at Tiffany's for like a three carat, you know? <laughs> Work is good. Uh, oh, I'm going to marry myself. Well, because I'm Armenian? <laughs> That's a good one. No, actually, Tiffany's is a sandwich store. Okay. Sorry to burst your bubble. <laughs> oh my god, that was so cute. But no, it's a little sandwich store in, in Glendale and I love their pastrami sandwich. And I got my sandwich and I was leaving. I was with my kid. And this lady's like, Oh my god, I saw you drive through and I went through every store to see if it was you. And there's like this laser place there, and there's like this juice stop. And she's like, I love your post so much. And she got so tearful and she like hugged me. My son was just standing there and just watching. And she's like, You you don't understand. Your post helped me so much. And I just thought, what am I doing? What am I do? Like uh, honestly, I just have these like random like thoughts about like content and I just post it and people connect with it so much. 
And it's a blessing. It's a blessing, not because of that, you know, the people recognizing and saying wonderful things, but the fact that you can help someone with like a two minute reel or a 60 second reel, that is a blessing in itself. Well, it goes back. It goes back to the vulnerability of things. Armenians are, are in, they kept tight. They don't talk. They, yes, they were very they prideful people and we've got very yes. big egos. And when you can click a button and get on your page and, and connect with somebody when you know they're going through the same thing, yeah, that's why you're getting tearful people, man. You're awesome. You're, you're changing lives. You're making a difference. Oh, thanks. I hope so. Honestly, I just feel like I was put on this earth for this. And I hope I'm serving people and, you know, putting love in their hearts. And I don't know. Lately, I've just shifted my concept to humanity and love for each other. So hopefully, beautiful. hopefully it helps. Well, I think it's a, I think it'd be a great idea. I would put like, a, you know, they'll, they'll shoot you a DM if they want to talk about a certain subject or put a Q&A out there. Don't share the Q&A with somebody. You know, if they, they say, what should I talk about this coming Tuesday on your podcast? They're going to say, mm-hmm. let's talk about so-and-so. Then you can talk about it. Like, oh, my God, there are so many options. You would kill it. You would kill really? it. Really? Yes. Okay, I'm going to need your help with that then because I don't know how the heck to start with a podcast. So whenever you're ready, just let me know. Okay. Yeah. Sounds good. Uh, another venture of yours, your book. Tell me about it. So, yes, I have a book. I, it's a journal, right? So it's called Memoirs of a Mother. And basically, it's like a journal with prompts. And the whole theory around this journal is that mothers can fill it out, write in it, and then they can transfer the journal to their child so that when in passing or passing away, the, the child always has that memory of mom. So you can just go through it and it's her handwriting and she can, oh my God, this is what mom experienced in birth. Oh my God, this was her first love. It's just the, the idea of it is just so touching and so beautiful. So yeah, that's, that's the journal. And the affirmation cards I uh, published in June and um, it's just self-affirmation cards. So 30 days of affirmation. You say one beautiful affirmation a day, dual language, Armenian and English. I had an illustrator who hand literally painted these amazing folk Armenian photos. And each person on the photo has a character. There's some men too, like Andranik and Hofsek. So Azatuhi, um, just traditional names. It's so it's so beautiful, and um, it's actually going to be sold in Barnes and Noble soon. Wow! So I'm very good, yeah, good I'm for very you. excited. Mm-hmm. Finally, my dream. Can you find both on Amazon, or where where else can you find both? You so uh, my journal is on Amazon. Absolutely, both of them you can find on my website. The affirmation cards. I haven't. I don't think I'm going to put it on Amazon. Um, just because I, I wanted to, I want that specifically to go into Barnes and Noble, but they're at Opryl bookstores to England, an Armenian bookstore. So cool. they're definitely there. And what's your website? It's my name, edithalaverdian.com. <laughs> Plain and simple. We'll, we'll put that in the uh, show notes, make it easy for everybody. Yeah. Edith, I, I cannot thank you enough. And I, I got to tell you that I was a little bit nervous coming in about the marriage question, because again, we're, we're very tight. Really? We're very close to the chest on stuff like that. We're very prideful. And it's a, it's a sticky question for some. And it's not a question. It's not, this isn't a conversation between the two of us. There's going to be, you know, others that are going to be listening to this. And so you, yes. you helped a lot and you, we look, the, the magical word today was vulnerability and you were vulnerable and thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. <laughs> You're so welcome. I love your work. I'm so proud of you. And it was my honor. Thank so you for nice having me. So nice. You. When you're ready for that podcast, you hit me up, right? 
Okay, I will. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Enjoy the day, Dee. Vulnerability. Pretty cool thing, right? <laughs> she knows that conversation wasn't going to be a private one between her and I. Uh, again, being vulnerable is cool. That's how we grow. It's how we feel better about ourselves, how we learn, etc. So if you think this episode was beneficial to you, why don't you share it with a friend or two? I mean, she just gave you a free therapy session. It's the least that you can do. She was awesome. And I appreciate her opening up. I appreciate her talking about her divorce because, man, they say it's a coin flip. So half the world goes through them. And, and hearing that from somebody else, you know, opening up like that, I think is going to help others. Um, so forever grateful for that conversation and uh, that she opened up and did all that. So that was cool. Uh, all her links to her Instagram, to her journal, um, it's all in the show notes. So if you can uh, support her, go on her website and, and support her. That'd be cool. She deserves it. A lot of good work, a lot of hard work. You can find me on social media. Most of my content goes to Instagram. Man, it was down for nine hours and whew, the whole world stopped. How about that? How pathetic are we? Pretty awesome. Miked Up Pod is the handle there at Instagram. And of course, you can email the show, connect at Miked Up Pod. Thank you for making me a part of your day. I am Mike Gabriel. This was Miked Up Pod. Until next time, folks, no wasted days. Let's go. Let's go.